Hello. 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 Are you, are you recording? I'm recording. Yay. Yay. Okay. Have you got all your notes and everything ready? And by notes, I mean who wrote the episode. I oh. don't expect you to actually write any notes, Martin. It would be pretty fucking embarrassing if I hadn't, right? Yes. Does that mean you haven't? I mean, do you think it means I haven't? I mean, honestly, Jimmy, cool, he said, vamping enough for it to load. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's all right. I I perfectly understand what you're like, Martin. (laughs) I know, I know you now well enough. It aired on the 1st of October 2009, written by David Wilcox and directed by Brian Spicer. I haven't actually started the episode yet. No, but you can cut that in now. No, I'm not cutting that in. No, we're doing it properly. We'll do it live! Fuck it! Welcome to Fringe Division. Weird is a matter of degrees. Hello and welcome to Fringe Division, spoiler-free rewatch podcast of the hit TV show Fringe. I'm Jimmy. And I'm Martin. Today we are discussing Season 2, Episode 3, Fracture. It aired on the 1st of October 2009. It was written by David Wilcox and directed by Brian Spicer. Yes, it was. The, the director of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie, directed this episode. <laughs> What a career <laughs> highlight! I know, and this is the this is the only episode of this show that he directs. Spoilers, uh, but he has directed loads of other things, right? So, Martin, uh, this this episode of Fringe it's, it was better than last week's episode of Fringe, was it not? Absolutely. Yes. So, did you like this one? Yes. I mean, I'm still getting a bit irritated that what was happening at the end of season one hasn't been even slightly explained at this point. Mm-hmm. I know. The whole thing with Olivia is just such... Uh, it's just so annoying and such a cliche now. It's like that thing in particular she forgets and it's just annoying. I don't think it's going to last much longer, hopefully. I hope that William Bell didn't tell her anything time-sensitive. I know, I know, uh, your New York is going to blow up <laughs> in, um, in two weeks' time, uh, so please don't forget this vital information. So, yeah, this was better than last week's episode. It had more of a, it was like a sense of urgency in this one. Yeah. Which don't all, doesn't always make for a better episode, but it's, I think those sort of episodes gets the viewer involved more. Than say, oh, there's a creature underground that's eating people. Oh no, not another creature. Yawn. Exactly. Um, you know, like we didn't have ten years of the X Files, 
I, I, I enjoyed watching this one. So, yay! I'm so glad people listen to us even at half the time. We're just like, oh, Fringe is a bit wank. But I'm, I think that's fine, though. I don't want to be one of those podcasts that is just constantly masturbating over the the episodes. And you didn't want saying, to be one of those podcasts talking about Buffy, so here we are. Yeah, because there's far too many of them. And you and I would argue a lot if you and I did a Buffy podcast. We argue a lot, lot anyway. No, I know. But we would argue a lot about Buffy because you think every single episode of Buffy is a masterpiece and I think some are wank. Apart from Beer Bad. Beer Bad is... Oh, and Double Meat Palace. Yeah, those two are awful. And basically all of season six. Fair point. Okay, fair enough. Let's do a Buffy podcast. Next week on Fringe Division, (laughs) the new podcast. Yeah. So, um... I was going to make a joke about the season four government organisation, but I've completely blanked on their name. The Initiative. Yeah. Yeah. That that could have been the name of our podcast, because it's kind of like the Buffy of Fringe Division. There probably already is a podcast called The Initiative. There's probably one called Initiating the Chosen One. We just call it the Shifty Bench Buffy podcast, because Shifty Bench itself is... A Buffy reference. Oh, look at that bench. It's shifty. Yeah, we've got a name right there. Why are we not doing this? Because there's too many Buffy podcasts, Martin. I wanted to do a fucking Quantum Leap one and you didn't let me, so now we're doing Fringe, so it's your fucking fault. (laughs) Sorry, Fringe fans. (laughs) Yeah, sorry, fans. No, right. We keep saying this, Martin, but Fringe is not a bad show. Oh. We thought that, but then we've been watching it. <laughs> Do you think Fringe is a bad show? No. Not right. But Thank you. from the episodes we've covered thus far, I would be reluctant to refer to it as a great show if I didn't know what was coming. But we have to... Right. Of the three episodes we've watched so far, right? We've watched more than three. We've watched like a season. Of this season, you tit. Okay. The three episodes we've watched so far of season two. One hasn't been great, and two have been good. So, that's all right so far, you Mm. know? We'll see what next week's episode is like. And if we get to five episodes, and four are good, and one is pish, then, you know... The podcast is over! No, the podcast will keep going if four are good and one's pish, but the podcast is still going on, Martin. We're finishing this. You haven't seen most of four and um, and any of five, so we're going to continue. I'm quite excited to get to ones I haven't seen, I have to say. I do like season five. I remember I enjoyed season five a lot, so... That doesn't sound good for season four. I don't remember much of season four, to be honest with you. And you gave up on season four, so that makes me think that season four's not that great, but I don't really remember much of it. Are you watching Fringe for the first time? Have you seen it all the way through? Let us know in an email or comment. Yes. Contact at shiftedbench.co.uk. Send us a wee, a wee email if you're watching it for the first time and be spoiled that Meghan Markle's no longer on the show for you and you're pissed off. Um... But, yeah, we didn't spoil that. 
The writers and producers of Fringe spoiled that. Not bringing her back. Anyway. But she spoiled the royal family. So she had it yeah, coming. Exactly. She did. She made a mockery of this. She spoiled that nice new young ginger. Yeah. She sp- <laughs> Yeah, this this um prince who never done anything wrong his entire life. Nazi uniform. So what's the problem? <laughs> I do think I'm actually quite good at coming up with podcast titles. Yeah, oh, you're excellent at it. I think So What's the Problem's actually a really good title for that for that podcast. And Drop the Pilot. Available now on the Shifty Bench Podcast Network. Yes, Shifty Bench Podcasts. Um, anyway, Martin, we have to talk about this episode of Fringe. Let's talk about this episode of Fringe. In Philadelphia, an on-duty cop gets a call from a man he calls Colonel to pick up a briefcase at sub, uh, Suburban Station. As he does so, a nearby... What, like a whiskey outlet? A bourbon station? Ah, suburban. Not sir, bourbon. <laughs> like a Scottish... <laughs> a Scottish whiskey. Right. You've, Jimmy, you've got yes. a wry sense of humour. Oh. Yeah, Scotch and rye. Only Scottish people get that. It's a TV show, Scotch and Rye. Ricky Fulton. Have I heard of Ricky Fulton? No. Do we have no. to do a podcast about that too? No, 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 no. <laughs> um, it's perfectly understandable that you've never heard about it because it's one of those programmes that only come out once a year. And it was on Hogmanay. Uh, so it would be on New Year's Eve as a special and it was only on in Scotland. So, you know, it was a Scottish, it was a sketch show. And Ricky Fulton, for years, was this really sort of famous Scottish comedian. Um, and it was really funny at times. So how come they weren't in your list of great stand-up double acts? Because <laughs> it's not a double act. Ricky Fulton's one guy. Scotch and Rye is just the name of the show. That was a deep cut. I know, that was a deep cut. That, mm. Even I fucking had to think about that one. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot I wrote about I wrote that yeah I, I, that was quite good I enjoyed that I enjoyed writing those did you enjoy reading those Martin? I did almost as much as I enjoyed this episode of Fringe yes well you interrupted me when I was halfway through a fucking sentence as usual. and then I uninterrupted you so uh, you know I get us into trouble but it gets out of trouble too cool as he does so, a nearby pulse causes electronics to gain static. It's too early on a Sunday for this. To gain static and his body becomes hardened. Ooh, uh, misses. He explodes, killing 11 people and injuring others with his hardened body parts. <laughs> okay, writer of the Wikipedia. You knew what you were doing. You knew. Initially thinking the explosion was caused by a bomb, the fringe team arrives to investigate and discover that instead of a bomb, the cop's body parts killed the others. A further autopsy reveals needle marks in between the cop's toes and they realise he was injecting some type of drug every day for at least a year. So when Astrid is all like uh, looking at the case, there's Uh a really bad bit of ADR. Yeah. Where she's like, 
I've been looking at the FBI database for weird cases. I know. It's, yeah, it's stupid. But, I mean, it's good that... It's good that they're giving her something to do. It's shoehorned in as fuck in this episode. Mm. But it's like, oh, we've got Astrid. She should be looking for cases. Mm. Let's just do that. And then put in an ADR line saying that's exactly what she's doing. Whereas the rest of the scene basically explained that anyway. But, you know, you got to make it clear. And this I was don't... and this was before people had the internet on their phones to distract them. Exactly. Um, which is what happens to you every time you watch an episode of Fringe. No. Actually, this one uh, kept my attention most of the way through. Most of the way through? When did, when did it lose you? Uh, on the way to Iraq. Oh, did it? Nah. Okay. Um, so Astrid, they seem to forget something about Astrid, right? That she's there? Yes, that she's there, but also Astrid is an FBI agent. No, because if she was an FBI agent, she'd have something important to do. Exactly, but she is an FBI agent. She's Agent Farnsworth. She's an FBI agent. Why isn't, I mean, maybe she's not a field agent, fair enough, but why isn't she with them at the cases, helping Walter, instead of just sitting there, waiting and I'm coming back. Because she's just sort of background. But she's still, I mean, she's still a main character. Yeah. The actress is in the bloody regular cast list. Anyway, um, the scene, this scene where they were talking about uh, Walter doing naked jumping jacks. Now, I want to talk to you about something, Martin. <clears throat> yes. You know how in TV shows and stuff where they say uh, they picture someone that they don't want to see naked, naked, and then they like recoil in horror thinking about it? Yeah. That doesn't happen to me because... You're so beautiful. But I don't... Well, yeah. But I don't know... No, I mean, I don't know what Walter looks like naked, so I can't picture Walter naked. You don't have an active imagination then. No, exactly. I can no. I can picture a naked man. Mm. It's not going to be Walter because I don't know what he looks like naked. I don't know the size of his genitalia. I can't picture that. I can picture genitalia, but I can't picture his. So in my mind, I could just picture large genitalia, <laughs> but it's um. You know, it's like I can't recoil thinking about someone naked if I don't know what they look like naked. You must have a very sad pre-internet teenage time. (laughs) Why, though? It's just not... I mean, I can picture people naked, but I can't picture specific people naked because I don't know what they look like naked. Do you not understand what I'm trying to say? Yeah, but you usually just fill in the blanks. I know, but then it's not going to be that now, person, is it? All I'm doing is seeing naked Walter, and I can't not. Oh, no. But I can't say it's naked Walter, because I don't know what Walter looks like naked. It's a generalisation. It's someone you don't want to see naked. That's the joke. No, I know that's a joke. I mean, right, okay, fair enough. If you just say, I don't want to see him naked, and that's it, right? That's, mm. the, that's the point of it. But a lot of the time in these kind of jokes, it's like people think about it and then recoil. And it's like, but you can't do that unless... I mean, Peter can because Peter's Peter's seen his dad naked. So he can recoil at the thought of it, right? Because he saw it. 
Yeah. Yes, yes. But Astrid can't. She can recoil at the thought of seeing him naked, but she can't recoil at thinking of his naked body because she doesn't know what it looks like. No, but she can extrapolate from the available data and uh, assume what a naked Walter looks like and cringe from there. Yes, but it's still not going to be exact, is it? It doesn't need to be. But then you could also picture Walter being an Adonis. Now I am, thank you. Yes, but you could picture... If you are picturing someone naked and you don't have the, the, the data of what that person looks like naked, you can picture them looking like whatever you want. I think you're taking this out of all proportion. I know, but the the episode will be running short if I don't, so we have to talk about something. I mean, do you not have a problem with them shaming Walter's uh, appearance? And Why can't he just be happy with how he looks? But no, they have to point out that he is not an Adonis and that they would not want to see him naked, and now he has to feel bad about that. But that's also what I mean about it, though. It's like, I can't picture Walter naked, so I'm not going to ridicule Walter for how he looks naked. Because I can't. Because I don't have the information. And even if I did have the information, and I thought he looked hideous, I'm not going to make fun of him for it. That sort of joke and that just doesn't register to me because I can't picture him so I can't recoil, so I can't make fun of him. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Right, thank you. That's what I'm trying to say. It just doesn't make any sense to me, this this whole thing. But, you know, it's, it's a joke. Walter's supposed to look hideous naked. But it's also not that. I mean, it's not really particularly this one that, I'm, that annoys me because Peter can be disgusted because he has seen the sight. And, and it's his dad. But um, but when it happens in other shows is what bothers me. So, anyway. Oh, yeah. We have the return of Jimmy's subtitle gripes. Hooray! I was watching this in Prime. Peter says, I'll call Dunham. But the subtitles say, I'll call Dunham and Broyles. They can meet us there. That's not what's said at all. No, it's not. That's like a, an entire line that isn't in there in the actual thing. You know when they do the autopsy and they have the like they've made they've made up the ear of the cop. Yes. I wonder if someone got to keep that ear. Like someone in the props department or something. Do you think someone has that ear on their desk? Yes, I do. Yeah, they probably do. It's probably melted by now. Possibly, depending on what it was um made of. Well, presumably uh flesh. No, I'm talking. <laughs> I'm talking about the prop, Martin. Oh, okay. <laughs> right, okay. While Peter and Olivia, while Peter and Olivia interview his wife, Olivia gets sick with flashes of crossing um, to the parallel universe and accidentally discovers the drugs the cop was injecting. So this is the first time that Olivia has actually had a hint of what she learnt at the end of season one in the other universe. Yeah, she's getting flashes of the the towers. But frustratingly, the viewers get no new information. No, that's what pisses me off. We know this. Yeah. Like I said last week, it's better than her forgetting everything. 
Yeah. It's better than her forgetting Peter and Walter and all that, right? That's fine. But she's still forgetting valuable pieces of information that the audience knows um, only to expand the plot. It's funny because we've talked about Fringe sort of sitting in this strange, uh, you know, it's got one foot in the old world of um, procedural television where everything resets at the end of every episode and nothing ever changes and one foot in the, you know, early days of ongoing story arcs. Uh, But we're still, you know, a good, what, five years after Lost at this point. You know, so if they had wanted to just, you know, scrap the basement mutant of the week and uh, go all in on, you know, the ongoing war with soldiers from parallel universe they could have done yeah so yeah it's weird how it's sort of they're hinting at this ongoing plot but they're not really giving it their all just yet and you know what i'm gonna blame this on all right it's the french isn't it it's the french yeah bastards no merde <laughs> no it's not the french Murd happens yeah exactly uh but not perd well, Perth does happen, but, you know, only when he's hungry. Um, but the... This is what happens, Martin, when you have 22 episodes in a season. We've discussed this before, and you've argued against it. But when you've got 22 episodes in a season, you they think, right, this is... We have to settle this part of the plot later on in the season... Because we can't do it too early, because then we have no season, and we have no plot. So we're going to stretch this out. She's going to forget for three, four, five episodes, however long it is. For new listeners, Jimmy argues that we are in a golden age of television and no season needs to be longer than ten episodes. My counterpoint would be that saying that were true then any show you ever enjoyed with 22-episode seasons, you're saying that 12 of them were wank. That is absolutely not what I'm saying. Me and Jimmy agree. Longer seasons were great. Moving swiftly on. No, 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 (laughs) no. I'm not arguing against longer seasons, right? I'm arguing against longer seasons when they don't need to be longer seasons. Like, this does not need to be 22 episodes. And we're seeing this right now in the fact that this is the third episode where she doesn't fucking remember something she should be remembering. And something that we know. And it is frustrating for you and me, and you agreed that it is frustrating. So, I don't understand why you think that it's perfectly okay for this to have 22 episodes this season when this is happening, man. I just think that saying shorter seasons fixes everything is overly simplistic. But I'm not saying it fixes everything. You're not listening to what I'm saying. If this was a shorter season, we would have got this particular show. We would have got there sooner. She would have remembered it right away, right? Yeah. And then we would get William Bell back if William Bell's coming back. We wouldn't have had last week's episode. I genuinely can't remember if William Bell comes back. 
I think he does. I think he does, but I can't remember how or when. Yeah, it's just like certain shows could benefit from it. I'm not saying every single show. Shows like Quantum Leap and 22 episodes, because they don't really have ongoing plots, um, and it's basically just Sam jumping into someone each week. Oh and boy. It's a different, yeah, oh boy. And it's a different timeline. Um, that works. I think that gives the writers a lot of creativity because they're writing for different time periods and they're writing different characters every single week. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas this, it's the same characters and they're stretching out storylines where it doesn't need to be stretched out. So Fringe would benefit from shorter seasons. But not every show. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah, you're probably right. 12 episodes of last season probably could have been done away with, thinking about it. Yeah, keep the plot stuff, but a lot of the Monster of the Week stuff could certainly go, because it was, what, 24 episodes last season or something? Something, yeah. Yeah. If 12 of of those went, we'll say 10, take away 10, and you've still got 14, right? You could still, like, we can still give a shit about Walter and Peter and Olivia and those 14 episodes. Yeah. Both of us like Peter, but agreed that last season he was up and down as a character. He was a bloody yo-yo. Exactly. Don't you agree that if a shorter season, then Peter would have been more consistent? Yeah, because it had taken the episodes where he was different away. Yeah, that's... I'm not... Right. I'm not saying... <laughs> yeah, okay. I know, what you're, I know what you're trying to do, but I'm not saying take episodes away. <laughs> I mean, develop it as a shorter season, Martin. You, you know full well what I mean. Anyway, so they go to Iraq. <laughs> did you ever watch Alias? Yes, I did. did. I watched the first season of Alias and this... We talked about Alias on episode one of this. This bit... Um, I don't listen to the podcast. Uh, this bit reminded me of Alias um, because uh, when you watch Alias, they travel around the whole world... And yet always seem to be in windowless rooms. She always seems to be end up in basements tied to a chair. Yeah. Um, no, we did talk about Alias. We talked about a double. A character getting killed off and being made to come back as a double, remember? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I kept that into the podcast. But I didn't say the name of the character or when it happens. So there you go. Right. I don't remember that happening in Alias, but it was about ten years ago. I watched it just before I watched Fringe. Yeah, no, you you hadn't seen that though. That's that was ah. the thing. It's not in season one. So, the cop is serving Iraq a year previously and was involved in a secret military experiment called Project Tin Man. Peter tells them they can find the project's doctors, and he and Olivia travel to Iraq, uh, which is really just Vancouver. Peter learns from an old acquaintance the identity of one of the Iraqi doctors. He tells them the project was meant to cure doctors exposed to a fatal chemical but it failed to work, instead turning remaining survivors into human bombs. Dun, dun, dun. Doctors aren't really supposed to do things like that. No, they're not. There's a lot of things here, because of the synopsis, not mention a lot of things, that, or not mention them in order, that I have written in my notes. I think early on Peter was a bit of a cliché with the whole... Oh, I'm in a rack and I'm, you know, ducking and diving and yeah, whatnot. No. And 
I don't think the stronger side of his character was really made good use of in those early episodes. But since it was established, it's nice to have used that here. Mm-hmm. Also, I like his leather jacket that he wears when he goes to visit the, the wife of the cop. You going to get one nice yourself? No. Um, no. I used to have a leather jacket, but they're a bit expensive. Jimmy used to start his podcasts by uh, waving his thumbs and going, Hey! Yeah. No, that that actually, I wish I had the powers of the fonts. Because then every time my laptop conks out, I could just fucking smack it and it would come back on. <laughs> but that doesn't work. Right. I have written here, Peter didn't have to waste a cheeseburger. He could have just ate it in another room. And I forgot why I wrote that. Well, because uh, Walter tells him not, you know, to be more considerate than to eat a hamburger in front of Gene the Cow. So, Gene the Cow is exceedingly smart and knows what that is that the human is eating. And then Peter just continues to eat it anyway. Yeah, but then Gene the Cow uh, moves and he throws it away. I did like the uh, use of Gene the Cow here. It's been too long. Yeah, last week... I forgot to mention that there's a part where Peter is talking to Walter and we hear Gene the Cow. And we don't see Gene the Cow, but Peter turns like the cow moves during halfway through one of his um, sentences and he pauses and looks to the side and then starts talking again, which confuses me somewhat because that cow is not there. <laughs> The cow's not on set all the time. It's only there when it's the, when it needs to be there for part of, you know, the scene. Mm. So, I don't know if they, like, there was a noise and uh, Joshua Jackson turned and then just continued on with his line, you know, like a mistake, and then they just kept it in. Or, you know, it was intentional and they said, moo, yeah. <laughs> and then he turns and looks... Because that cow ain't there. But it was a, it, that was a nice little sort of beat there, just to remind us that Gene the Cow exists last week. And I thought they were doing that again this week, but then you actually see the cow. Yeah. You don't see them in the same shot as the cow. You see which looks like two doubles. Um, so I think that was an insert shot. But anyway, Gene the Cow. Oh, we've got a new Gene the Cow this season, by the way. I forgot to mention that. Because they couldn't move the original Gene the Cow from New York to Canada. Um, so they had to recast Gene the Cow. I heard that uh, her agent actually asked for too much money. Probably, yeah. These these cow agents are, you know, notorious for wanting more money. It's ridiculous. Right. An AOL colonel... AOL? <laughs> An AOL. AOL colonel... AOL, I know, I know. I just read... I know what AWOL means. <laughs> <laughs> An AWOL colonel, Raymond Gordon, was opposed to ending the project. Um, Peter and Olivia suspect It's a fake! Peter and Olivia suspect he is behind the cop's explosion and caused the deaths by emitting a radio signal. Okay, what's that reference, Martin? He was a Romulan senator on Deep Space Nine. Uh, of course he was. Who uh, Captain Sisko had to trick into joining the war against the Dominion. Stephen, and, Stephen McHattie. Yeah. 
He was also in the Watchmen movie. Yeah, he's been in loads of things. He's he's kind of like a he looks like a cross between Lance Henriksen and Robert Patrick, like latter day Robert Patrick, not T two Robert Patrick. Yes, but he he's kind of like a mix of those two. But he's been in loads of things. He is one of those guys. And Walter calls Astrid by her real name in this episode. Good. Um, he says it in excitement when he thinks the watermelon's going to explode. Sometimes he doesn't pretend that he doesn't know her name. Mm. Because we know he's just pretending. Yeah. He knows her real name. And the watermelon jump scare was a bit cheap and obvious. Mm. <laughs> uh, and also, Astrid says no more fruit water. Right? Because she gets covered in watermelon. But what would she prefer that he used? Puppies? Vegetables. <laughs> yeah, well, but then wouldn't that be, like, harder? Milkshakes. Milkshakes. But then she'd still be covered. Mm. What was that noise? That was agreement. Mm. That was a puppy. That was a puppy. And it's running away from Walter because he's not allowed to use watermelons anymore. <laughs> right. They find a list of names from an experiment, the victim and the train station being one of them. They return to find their surviving members and are able to prevent the next subject, Diane Burgess, from exploding after she is contacted by Gordon to take a briefcase at a train station. This did feel like stuff we've seen before in Fringe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh no, we've got to stop another bomb at another train station. I know, and other shows. And the uh, the whole uh, suicide bomber thing felt very much in the zeitgeist in, you know, when the show was made in a mm. way you don't really get in shows these days. Which yeah. kind of gave makes the episode feel a little more dated than a lot of them. Mm-hmm. you got to be careful because it sounds like I'm saying, ah, that doesn't happen anymore. And then some, uh, some twant will go and blow themselves up somewhere. And it's like, no, it can still happen. But uh, the media isn't as focused on it as it was, you know, what, 12 years ago. Peter and Olivia find Gordon at the station and bring him into custody. The man suggests the bombs are intended to eliminate agents working for the Observer. Dun dun dun! In a side plot, Olivia and Sam Weiss continue to meet at the bowling alley where he's That's not his name! Sam Weiss? Sam Weiss. Not Sam Weiss. No, not Sam Weiss. Sam Weiss. I know, I just said it fast because I'm trying to finish this episode, Martin. Sam Weiss continue <laughs> to meet at the bowling alley where he subjects her to seemingly menial tasks like tying her shoes and keeping score during games. Although initially finding their conversations useless, um, he cures Olivia's inability to walk without a cane by the end of the episode. Do you like this guy? Do you like this plot? Um, Considering it's part of that she doesn't remember things, uh, not really. But, no, I mean... I like it in the fact that they're not just rushing Olivia being better. The memory thing pisses me off, but the fact that she's still using a stick, I like. You know, it's like yeah. it's not one of these TV shows where she has a major accident and the next episode she's taken to boot. I like that, but it's also and he's here's the quirky mentor figure, and it's like okay, We've seen mm. that before. Yeah. She even calls him Yoda. Yeah. Do you have any facts for this episode, Martin? <laughs> Do I? 
I don't know, that's why I asked you. <laughs> Did you know the Observer can be spotted in this episode? Can he? I never saw yeah, in a pub eating one of his pepper sandwiches when one of the couriers targeted by Tin Man delivers a briefcase to him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can brief no Martin. Stephen McHattie uh, was a redhead man in a two-episode arc of the X-Files. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, it's the third consecutive instance where a uh, actor who worked on the X-Files has a role on Fringe. Yeah, yeah. And and a return to the classic, although credited, Blair Brown does not appear in the episode. Yeah, Neither, but neither does... Yeah. Sorry. You say it. Neither, because you can't pronounce it. Yeah. So I have to try and say it. Uh-huh. Um, and neither does Kirk Acevedo, um, who plays Charlie Francis. Well, not Charlie Francis, but it's weird that he's not in this episode. <laughs> You, you could have at least have had him like just stalking them and just sitting menacingly in the car. There's another one which is a spoiler. Right. Well, don't say it then. Um, which I wish I hadn't read. <laughs> the tie-in comic story Gene's Dream from Tales of the Fringe series implies that Officer Gillespie could still come back to life if his pieces were put together. That's weird. In the 1950s, there were experiments to freeze. Uh, gerbils and then reanimate them that actually worked cool what does a glyph stand for martin jimmy the glyphs stand for burial thank you so next week's episode martin. will it be about red dwarf hey, hey! yeah we're gonna do it's a cold outside podcast. there's no kind of atmosphere we're all alone because right. no one listens yeah no one listens that's why we're gonna do a red dwarf podcast as we're going to do a Buffy podcast. Because <laughs> <laughs> everyone listens to those apparently. Right. Recuperating from the traumatic and alarming meeting with massive, massive dynamic founder William Bell, Agent Dunham consumes a powerful fringe concoction that Dr. Bishop prescribes to simulate, stimulate her memory. So, looks like we might be getting answers next week, Martin. Hey! Yeah! So that's next week. The episode is called Momentum Deferred. Right. So... Uh, that's all we have time for, Martin. We're leaving now. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, it's at DropPilotPod. Contact at shiftybench.co.uk is where you can send us emails. I said that already. And shiftybench.co.uk is the website. Where can people follow you online, Martin? At the Fowdle on Twitter. Short and sweet. So thank you all for listening, and we'll speak to you all next time. Goodbye. Bye, everybody. You on every week. Bye.